set of owners now and uh yeah so, so i'm vp of operations on that side and then uh in my in, in on the other side hustles i do is uh, uh i'm part of a startup incubator in sri lanka called uh, innovation eagle system uh, northeast sri lanka uh so we're focused we're focused in uh, uh things like uh, agro innovation uh it fintech that and uh, health innovation that uh, that kind of stuff so it's mainly in mainly in daf now but not, but now we're uh, switching our switching our local on the ground partners and we're getting more stuff around colombo and uh, southern area now and uh yeah so that's <laughs> those are the two main main things <laughs> these days Man, that's exciting. It's awesome. Yeah, thanks. So yeah, yeah. So, so things so things are things are slowly going well. The Sri Lanka stuff is a little is a little bit down right now because Sri Lanka is also down at the moment, so we can't really. So so it's uh, just the country's a bit country's a bit depressed at the moment. So we're putting off we're putting a hold and just re-strategizing and getting new partners. So it's. Uh, so it's uh, just a building progress right now. <laughs> no, that's really cool. I mean, I know in the beginning of the pandemic, we talked a lot about uh, you know this uh, disruption of supply chains and like trade has changed a lot. And, oh yeah, uh, international yeah. regulations, but we stopped hearing about it. You know. Oh yeah, and uh, no, it's it's uh, right now what's happening there is uh, it's uh, they've restricted their well, I wouldn't say that they're that they're cutting off imports. They've restricted imports to a level, and then uh, cars are not being imported and. Uh, and yeah, so they really re- rely on exports and and like uh, between service exports and uh, actual exports, <laughs> like manufactured exports, then raw material exports. They're really focusing on, uh, heavy on that now. So it's uh, it's one of those things that's ongoing, and you don't hear about. The problem is that the that their tourism sector is uh, just taking it like what's the biggest thing in Sri Lanka tourism, and it's just taken a hit, massive hit with COVID and. Like in the last two years, it took a massive hit because of the Easter Day, uh, the Easter Sunday bombings, and then uh, then the country was coming back, and then COVID just took a big hit, and, and it just uh, yeah, it's dilapidated. So it's depressed at the moment. So so yeah, they're looking at at ways to get to get back and looking into other things, but it's uh, it's a challenge, no doubt. <laughs> oh, definitely, man. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for opening up about that. It's, uh, interesting to know. No problem. Anytime. <laughs> Perfect. Satish, what's up, man? We're on the other side of the long weekend. Welcome to the den. Just <laughs> what's up, Ravi, man? I was going through the den withdrawal, man. Uh, I was like, isn't it? Isn't it time for show yet? What What is going on? Right. We took a we took a few days break. Hey, uh, Satish, we're getting an echo f- uh, from your end, and uh, you sound muffled. Ah, okay. I'll be right back. Yeah. Cool. Myra, what's up? Hello, hello. How's everyone doing? Hope you guys all had a great uh, long weekend. Absolutely. Guys, we're talking about uh, what will replace smartphones. Um, You know, really open-ended. I want to get into uh, ideas with you guys, whether it be radical or, um, you know, contrary, you don't think these things are going anywhere. Love to hear more about it. But uh, let's uh, catch up, guys. It's been a few days. We, we took a few days off from the den. And, uh, you know, we've been doing this every single day for like four weeks. So I missed you guys. Um, it's good to get back into this. And good to see some familiar faces. Check one, two. Um, so waiting for Satish to get fully set up. Just pinging people into the room. Let's do a quick catch up. Um, what else has everybody been about? Quick, Satish, quick, back? quick mic check. Is it any better? Yeah, much better. Okay, cool. Thank you, man. <laughs> Sorry, I'll 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 jump can, in after. Can you can you hear me, guys? 
Yes, yeah, sir. What's up, Ruben? Oh, okay, hey, man. Yeah, I, I I want to also give some background when you guys are ready about because I was part of the other side of the wave. What you are talking about before cell phone, I was one of the first guy to design the GSM chipset for the Samsung phone. I was at Intel when they tried to get into smartphone before iPhone, where how they failed. It. Damn. I have some history. I will. Uh, you know, share with you guys. I was part of those uh, wave in late '90s, early uh, 2000s. So. No, that's uh, exciting, um, uh, Ruben. I know we we talked a little bit about this, um, you know, previously. Love to get your insight as well. Definitely seeing the the tail end of this industry now that it's uh, it's becoming mainstream, and you know, uh, looking into what's going to happen after. Uh, Satish, why don't you get us uh, set up and warmed up, and uh, we'll get into this. Yeah, man. Thank God my mic works and everything is rewired again. You know, every time there's a long weekend, somebody in the house starts playing with the toys and then things are all over the place. So if you got kids, you know what I'm talking about. But welcome back to the den. It is Tuesday and hope everybody had a good long weekend wherever you're from. And, you know, we're back uh, back to our nightly schedule. We got Ravi in the den. We got Mayura co-hosting with us and making sure the room is going to be nice and flowing today. And uh, the topic, what will replace smartphones can you imagine that we're even talking about this thing how fast is technology changing and some of you in the room are hardware experts some of you have pioneered smartphone version 1.0 so i'm excited to see where this conversation goes uh, i don't actually have an input because i'm still getting used to multiple phones and trying to understand i come from a time where the hottest thing was a pager and i had three of them so that, that defined your cool status. You got three different pagers and you were important. So uh, I'm, I'm going to, you know, listen in and take some notes. But uh, Mayura, over to you. Hey, guys. Um, so welcome back to the den after a long weekend. And we missed you. So um, excited to get this discussion up and running. So, yeah, our topic is what will replace uh, smartphones. And to start off, I have a little story. When I was a kid for a class presentation, I told my class, that I wanted to do two things when I grow up. One was to become a doctor, I didn't do that. But the other thing that I said I was gonna do was I was gonna invent this new device called the Palm Top. And at that time, laptops were like up and coming. Um, but they were like the old chunky ones, like not everyone owned them. So my idea was that this device um, was gonna have all the capabilities of a laptop, but in the size of your palm, hence the name Palm Top. And my mom actually brings this story up to this day about how excited I was about that becoming true. But that device actually rolled out a couple of years later called what we now know as a smartphone. And ever since then, we've been getting these upgrades on this device and the speed of light. There's been an exponential growth of this tech. Um, like every year, there's a new phone with a better resolution, a better camera, but it's still in that same bubble as a quote unquote smartphone. So um, what we're going to be talking about today is kind of like, what's next? Is there going to, is there going to be something that's going to replace the cell phone? Or do you think the, um, the, sorry, not the cell phone, the smartphone, do you think there's going to be some, um, like an evolution kind of thing? So like the smartphone will evolve into something else. So I know Ruben was talking about earlier how he was um, designing a chip earlier in his career. So I'd love to hear about that to start us off. Thanks, Mayra. Um, you guys can hear me, yeah? I'm in one. Yeah, um, sound great. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it was interesting, you know, what we are talking about is what is next for smartphones. So uh, my first job, I was at Rockwell Semiconductor in 90s. 
So we were designing, you know, uh, chipset for uh, modems, you know, computer modems, they connect through the lines and go over that. What it has is a, is DSP, digital signal processing, which does all the processing for uh, data as, you know, error correction, echo cancellation, and all of those main things. As part of that, what we found, we found a company, a small company called Samsung. They were looking for somebody to design a controller, a chipset, which will go into a thing called GSM uh, communication. It was in 97-98, uh, or 90, actually 95-96. So they were asking, hey, you guys know signal, DSP guys, you know the signal processing. Can you go and do something for that? And we went ahead and designed that chipset, and we didn't know much about it, but we had a lot of technology behind it. And that went and, you know, Samsung, you know, went and killed that market uh, with that chipset. So it's millions of those, those were sold and doing all these fancy things. One interesting thing was while I was designing, one of the guys came, one of the product managers said, hey, can you put a, a CMOS uh, camera on the chip that can uh, do some pictures and all that? I was like, what, what are you crazy? I mean, who, you know, that time the camera, people take picture and all those things. Who is going to use the camera uh, in a cell phone to take these, you know, non-high resolution pictures and go to the market with that and, you know, do that? And, you know, long behold, you know, what happened to that? And then I was at Intel. My company got acquired by Intel in 2001, and I was there till 2005. So Intel uh, marketing team had a, you know, they were did a big research. It was before iPhone and everything. The smartphone is going to be a huge market. We need to invest. So Intel had this, you know, x86 architecture. They wanted to do that. Uh, so they invested a lot of money, actually more than half a billion to billion dollars to go after the market. The problem was Intel had this x86 uh, market, which had the monopoly. So none of the cell phone guys wanted to use uh, Intel x86 architecture, they thought these guys will lock them up and then they will, uh, you know, charge them arm and a leg and they wanted cheap arm-based thing. So that was the second part of it. Uh, so Intel never got, uh, you know, success, successful in that market while ARM, Qualcomm, Samsung and everybody got back. So it was interesting to see that it was the first time. And one of the things at that time it came out also, one of the marketing guys said, because that time the cell phones were selling for fifty to hundred dollars, very cheap and all that. He said the smartphones are going to be sold for five hundred dollars, and we were all of them laughing and saying, "Who is going to pay five hundred dollars to buy a phone uh, in in this world?" You know, and again, now everybody is paying thousand of dollars. So it was interesting to see the other edge of it, and I'll let you guys go into the what is next. Ruben, that was a that was a great. Uh, I love hearing these stories from like um, insider stories from when this built, industry was built, because it's so interesting. Because you know, we hear it from like Steve Jobs' pitch, like how simple it is and how, how great and revolutionary these devices are. But there's a lot of internal struggle and strife, and money and resources that went into building uh, the industry as we see now. And the brilliance we like a credit to Apple and and uh, Steve Jobs in discovering this was really a compounding of you know, a lot of different moves made by a lot of actors uh, to get to the industry that we have, we see with smart devices. But I really want to get into this futurist kind of idea of what will come next. 
you know, we've heard a lot about, uh, you know, especially AR and um, AR, augmented reality and virtual reality being the next frontier where we can wear devices that we can plug right into down to like Neuralink, which is going to, you know, plug right into our brain. So we don't no longer need screens. We can interface the technology from our thoughts. So I'd uh, love to go around the room uh, and, you know, get your ideas, you know, whether it be super vague or novel uh, ideas you have about what the future will bring. Am I, can I jump in with a quick idea? Mm -hmm. This is just my dream, but you know, instead of having a device that's a smartphone, it'd be cool if everything that I already own can do stuff. My car uh, is already wired, my glasses are already wired, my watch is already wired, where I don't have to think about, oh, where's my phone? I just react to incoming, outgoing thoughts, people, calls, messages. There's so often I'm like, you know, I'm in the mode of either running on the treadmill or doing something, and then I gotta like stop, get off, find my phone, open up the Note app, and do stuff. Um, it'd be really interesting if things just ambiently surround you, and then whenever you need to plug in, you just plug in. I don't even know if that makes sense, but that will be my dream. Well, actually, Satish, that uh, that totally makes sense because uh, I think it's like the next. I think what you're talking about is like almost the next generation of what we're seeing because. Really, when like when you look at any of these products, like like just take Apple, you, you're not just buying an iPhone or or like an iPad. What you what you're buying into is their ecosystem. So like like you said, you just want to be plugged in. So uh, so like whether it's on your treadmill, in your car, or your even your glasses, like uh, like that iCloud, like should automatically plug into all to all those things. So so I shouldn't even need to like even like say if my phone's upstairs, I'm downstairs. Like I shouldn't even need to go like run back upstairs. Like like if I'm on the treadmill, I should be able to just say that I should be able to just put the iCloud address and then everything, uh, everything just syncs all, all into one thing. So like from the car to the treadmill to my phone to my glasses, it should all be just synced into one. And that way I can I, I can re literally be virtual where wherever I am. Everything's stored. Everything's in the cloud. Every, and we're, we, we plug and play and we're good to go. So uh, for uh, I love this because I think about this a lot, too, but. And understand that's going to integrate with us uh, is uh, data and privacy, right? So walking up to a random device that can use facial recognition or you know biometrics or whatever to understand who you are, and then have a personalized experience for you. The issue with that is who owns the data? If it's a private entity that owns that data, it's being utilized against you because then they're tracking you, being tracked. Uh, your usage information goes somewhere, and you know we've talked already about this. So the technology that, that we're going to need is more about tr a trustless system. So maybe some kind of convergence between some kind of blockchain type technology or um, uh, or like a, a divergence of uh, application layers, protocols with their with the, with data and privacy. So uh, we talked earlier about uh, the solid system being developed by uh, Tim Berners-Lee out, out of CERN. Uh, solid, the, the protocol, what allows it to do is applications can now run without actually downloading and keeping uh, uh, data. You as an individual owns a data. So for an, a, a, if we're uh, talking about other hardware pieces that you might not own or have, um, uh, have ownership over, uh, accessing you and interfacing with you, well then it should be you know, reaching out through some kind of intelligence, accessing, you know, uh, acquiring access to your portal where you, your data lies, authenticating who you are, and then tailoring an experience based off of you. And uh, for that to come up, uh, there's a lot of technological upheaval that needs to be done and frameworks to be put in place.
like before other people jump in, just one last thing with the whole like Facebook, you know, data leak and stuff. I'm I'm curious how many of us are uh, how many of us care about privacy, and how many of us are truly concerned. Like like I care about my data and privacy, but I'm not so concerned about it there that I'm consciously making different decisions. And maybe it's just me. So, Justin, go ahead. Yeah, so I was going to talk about the privacy issue in my, in my data. You know, you think about it from like a personal perspective of do I want these people knowing what I'm doing? Do I really care about, you know, them knowing what I'm doing? Um, but one thing I think about a, a lot is how much money they're making off of, of monetizing my data, right? And, you know, do we get a piece of that? Is it worthwhile for us to get a piece of that? Is that something, like, let's say we don't care about what they see on our Instagram page or, or, or what have you, but they're making money off of you, right? Um, that's, that's one thing that comes to mind when I think about privacy a lot. Does that make sense? So... Uh, privacy and data, I think um, there's an interesting tailspin on this. We, what we think about it, it's something that's been agency that's been taken away from us, meaning that it's like a resource someone is, uh, you know, we're just giving away for free. But it's more than that, right? So the, the, the reason, the issue with pri uh, data that's uh, really uh, problematic is that people can utilize, if they have almost like voodoo dolls, digital voodoo dolls of us in a digital fashion, and deploy algorithms to try to figure out how you will predict different interactions and re research and eventually be able to know us better than we know ourselves. And that's inherently problematic uh, problem for liberal democracies, right? We see that one of the reasons we have Facebook is like a, a biggest issue for us is that they created this kind of system and just gave it to advertisers who can push and prod a bunch of teenagers into feeling certain ways so they can buy certain things. Um, and now we have like a generation that's raged on rage culture. Right, so we're seeing a convergence of, of a few different things here. So the reason why data is, uh, data needs to be. Uh... Yeah. Sorry, so I was gonna, yeah, I was going to ask you the same thing. As a digital advisors, uh, advertisers, when the people who are doing that, the big agencies and all that manipulation with cigarettes before and all of those for, for the you know, black folks and various aspects they were doing. Wasn't they already there? I mean, I'm saying it, it is it is bad these guys really targeted and geographically, but isn't these all happening and all has been there? There has to be some control, but going all the way other end, you have to be careful also. Yeah, I mean, there has to be some restrictions, um, with some personalized information versus the you know overall information. But other than that, this is nothing new. But the, these guys became smart and started targeting more. Than, I, I, think the, the, I think, it, Ruben, I think the inherent issue with, um, and not the issue, but probably like just what technology does, right? It allows you to scale the efforts. So yeah, we had some amazing marketers who are really good at targeting people en masse, but those channels weren't personalized and they weren't dynamic, right? But now we've gotten to a place where I can look at your history and go, okay, Ruben, uh, you know, is a big fan of Rose Barn, so I can find his local Rose Barn restaurant and put enough advertisements in front of him in the different types of ways that I want to make sure that there's like a 90% chance of him buying and I'm tracking all the attributes about him. That wasn't happening uh, in previous media channels, right? That's the, that's the big change, I think, is you're able to deploy these at scale and you're able to deploy them dynamically and uh, in like a hyper-targeted way. 
I have to agree. Um, and I, yeah. I second that, that the scale at which they're using this data is completely different now. And one thing that I see currently in the space that I am in is the use of medical data and how they're, how they're taking this medical data and how they're parsing it and how they're learning really, really, really intimate things about you um, for their own product development, for their own profit. Uh, it's, it's just something interesting to consider. Okay. And th th this is not just for the internet, you know, as far as the targeted advertising is concerned. I mean, I worked in a telecom uh, with one of the larger uh, cable companies in the past. And then uh, this is going back almost uh, 15 years ago, you know, when internet, when, uh, you know, streaming was going uh, wide scale, you know. And at that point of time, the idea was floated around where, you know, based upon the user's browsing history or the browsing patterns and then target advertising on the television that uh, the shows that he's watching. So that, that's, uh, that's been there. So it's not just for the internet side, right? It's even for the uh, television too. And the target yeah, advertising I, has started to uh, take, uh, you know, momentum or at least to go at rapid scale, uh, mostly, you know, in the last several years. Yeah, and yeah, I think I mean, uh, Ravi's point is that it culminates kind of in what we've seen happen in like the recent election, uh, you know, fiascos, right? Like where we're able to manipulate and shift entire democracies based on the information you selectively place in front of people um, and you guide their thinking. And that's where it becomes dangerous. I think like marketing is marketing. And you know what, I think like I, there is a degree of self um, ownership that people have to take as well for the decisions they're swayed into. But I think uh, when information is so, um, you know, when people kind of rely on certain sources to be guardians of truth or at least sources of information, and those sources are then biased by the people who are paying for the advertisers behind them, and you're not aware enough as a consumer how to discern between uh, paid placement versus like true factual information, uh, it becomes difficult to make decisions in that in that environment. And then that's where uh, I think the, the data privacy stuff becomes an issue. But I just want to like throw it back to Ravi though. I don't know if this is what you guys wanted to chat about in the smartphones replacement channel or if this kind of derailed into data privacy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's an evolution of that, right? We can't really talk about smartphones without talking about data and privacy because now this personalized device is also a highly effective data ca capture device uh, about our daily lives and our usage. Uh, and it's becoming more and more uh, mainstream uh, thinking, right? Like. Uh, about what's what's going, what what is this industry's intentions and where we go coalescing towards. So, uh, whatever replaces smartphones will have to evolve off this thinking as well. Uh, also, Ravi, and on on the topic of data privacy, right? I mean, if you look at the generational generation, right? I mean, the, the present generation, you know, they don't really care, you know, if if they're being tracked or not, you know, they're just I don't, okay I don't think it. so. You know, they just publicize. A lot of them actually publicize, you know, whatever they're doing. <laughs> doing you know, tweet or you know post or whatever it is you know, what they buy what they don't buy mostly that that's what it is and then uh, if you look at the older crowd you know they, they're pretty particular about it so I, it's pretty uh, hard to say you know if they're going to be uh, if there's any uh, i would say well impact uh, in terms of the data privacy laws or regulations you know as a result of uh, the newer generation being so open about it so uh, I'd like to comment a few thoughts. There will be very, very industry-specific concerns about, you know, one about the smartphones. The first comment is, I really see that the phone, smartphone itself might be dead. As somebody said, like Neuralink and things like that. So we don't need a phone, just whatever. Uh, we can just use the 
paint a screen on a, on the on, on the sky that and i can uh, uh, <coughs> write on it i can watch on it and i don't need a device so my my that would be for a device free world possibly and the other point about the privacy is very very sector specific like in healthcare currently our whatever prescription we have any medical test we have whatever diagnosis uh, we have the hospitals uh, own the data the insurance companies have some access to the data but the consumer doesn't and i when i was working for a healthcare company uh, a large mnc and i wrote an article on that that customers they own the data consumers i mean i own my blood test i own my blood pressure not the pharma company not the insurance company and that is a change in the new world especially one uh, recent example is when apple said they will stop cookies they will stop uh, tracking cookies about us so that's uh, and the one of the largest companies uh, acknowledging that uh, backlash from the customer that's another big uh, like to highlight that customers don't want the data be to to be tracked or others making money of their money is my data you are making money out of me so okay uh, i would like to piece of it or more importantly i'll also like a consent my consent before you use my data that's it i'll stop here i uh, too i think you made a great point there especially with apple now uh, apple exactly said you know being uh, one of the most uh, being the most valuable company in the world that represents the most valuable people uh, as part of its uh, tech ecosystem uh, decided to change what it means to be a smartphone by disabling cookies and following right so facebook it just wiped out billions of dollars of value out of facebook's top line uh, by making that move but effectively is creating more of a closed ecosystem where it's saying if you're a user of ours you will not be externally tracked your data is sovereign to our ecosystem and it's protecting uh then users right almost like um, a larger like a, a super body uh, organism right is excels like part of a multi uh, multi uh, like a multi cellular system with an immune system now uh, built within it now pre preventing outside of that cell structure from uh, people interacting with it so apple's almost create effectively created its own kind of mini bubble where it's saying if you're using apple products your data is sovereign to yourself i i agree with what you're saying the one thing i i will comment on with that is is that if the board changes and someone decides to change their way um, it hasn't been regulated yet, right? So it's something for us to keep in mind. Um, I think the regulation is getting mature and it's catching up. And I think that'll actually have an effect on what you see as the next smartphone. Um, as data privacy becomes more of an issue and more more well re regulated, it'll just be harder for companies manufacturing to to get around some of these regulations. Yeah, speaking of the regulation, you know, in the energy sector, uh, you know, the consumption data and energy consumption data um, by by law. Um, energy companies are supposed to provide your consumption data back to you if you request. And that, that's that's there. And in reality, I mean, a lot of people don't really know. Uh, based upon your energy consumption, they, you know, companies can actually determine, you know, what are the appliances that you literally have at your property. So that's another thing that's there too on the energy side. So this uh, so regulation definitely is going to help, you know, uh, to actually uh, bring those uh, data, data privacy or the data privacy. Uh, privacy policies uh, to be in effect. I think the flip side of that coin though also is that like, um, as much as data privacy is important and people should be you know, stewards of their own data, uh, we've all gotten really, really accustomed to the personalized experience that we get in all of our digital interactions. So I don't think um, getting rid of the way for you to identify uh, and have 
personalized record, like personalized interactions with your digital experiences is going to go down. And I think it's interesting that we're talking about smartphones because smartphones really enable this, right? Until smartphones happen, um, there was no real unique way to identify people on the internet. Like people, they were shared devices. You had computers that people were sharing as families, TVs people were sharing as families, like whatever the devices you had, there was no individual device. But now with cell phones, every single person in a house has a phone. There's a device that you're holding that connects you to the internet that's traceable and you as an individual are not identifiable. Um, so I think like whatever, whatever we see as the evolution of the smartphone will be some uh, evolution of like what you were saying with the IoT type ambient IoT world where uh, devices are aware of your presence and can react to you in a personalized manner. Um, but it would be really cool to think about a world where we have uh, you know, some sort of like decentralized ownership of your own sovereign data where you can like, you know, think about you walk into like an Airbnb room and because your device stores a physical set of your own data that's per like personalized to you and via some, you know, near field communication technology, it's able to interface with the devices in that Airbnb. And now Amazon has, you know, your prime subscription logged into the TV and the Alexa knows your uh, your Spotify account and is ready to play music. Like that's the world that I think I see us going into in the in the short term. And then in the long term, like yeah, Neuralink, bio enhancement, and that like you know hardware enhanced like um, like cyborg humans is what we're headed towards. I think. I think uh, just like Deshaun said, I mean I think that the smartphone is gonna be around for a while. I know the futuristic view, uh, while AR, uh, you know, and uh, virtual reality, and even smarter smartphones will come up. I relate back to the television. Television's still around. It's not a tube anymore. It is in different forms. You can watch it in different ways, but still homes have televisions. Still generations are watching television. So I really think there will be technological advances. There'll be more connected devices. There'll be uh, moods that will automatically interface with many of those intelligent services, intel, you know, IoT devices. I think the, the smartphone or a device of that is still going to be in our pockets, in our bags, etc. Uh, in the foreseeable future. And that's just my view that it's going to evolve, but it's going to be there. I, I think uh, to add to Nishan's uh, point, you know, I think smartphones are going to evolve to actually project holographic images, I think, you know, that, that's, that's what is going to be the future at least with initial phase. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that, that's an interesting uh, co comment there. Um, you know, the idea of like a new interface, right? So one of the issues we, we know about smartphones is that the screen is the biggest limitation. Like everything else is miniaturized. The actual comp uh, computers, uh, the, the, the computational capabilities, the GPU, the memory, all that stuff is actually a really small portion. It's a battery and the giant uh, screen that takes up the majority of the space here. So I, I think uh, you know, changing the interface is definitely a big issue because if we get past that hurdle of interfacing differently, then um, you know, we, we can have a whole bunch of different types of uh, devices come into the market. I so mean, if you exactly think about it, right, uh, if you think about the technology in general, right, I mean, if you start looking at uh, some of these sci-fi movies like Star Trek and uh, Star Wars and all this stuff, I mean, uh, they, they literally portrayed, you know, using the handhelds back in the Star Trek movie, right? And then now we have handhelds in our phone. And then you have 3D holographic images being projected from, uh, you know, from a small device. 
uh, in Star Wars and other movies. And, and there are some uh, you know experiments that have been done, and then uh, they're actually being in use also. I think that's definitely coming, you know, at one point or the other in the future. And then Quite. you've seen uh, if from a on the business side, you know, there are projectors which you can actually hook up to your uh, smartphone, particularly Android smartphone, and you can project it on the wall. You know, that's already there. And then even the projectors have been miniaturized as well. So I think uh, it's not too far. Super interesting. Uh, I don't. Uh, can I jump in? Um, hi, it's Heyman. Um, so I, I'm not sure. I think behavior is going to change more because if you look, think about it, like, you know, the discussion was, I think last year onwards, people were talking about how they um, turned off the uh, certain screen, turned off the phone. Remember how we have the sleep time with our phones now? And Apple organized the into uh, folders. So I think uh, the way I look at it is it seems like we're, we were in Windows 3.1 before. Now we're moving into the GUI interfaces, more like more person, like more um, manageable chunks of consumption on the phone. But I'm more worried about how they embed, um, like how the advertising companies are going to go embedding stuff into our daily lives through technology because we now see it. But down the road, the there will be some changes, right? Because there were some very innovative advertising companies. I think. Um, I think the, mostly around five years ago, right? That we're actually gamifying everything. Um, uh, when you pass by a store, they'll shoot a product to you, right? Once you go into the store and buy one. I don't know how they're going to do this this time with Apple sort of putting a, a sandbag around it. Yeah, I mean, him uh, and I think um, uh, that's a really interesting point you bring up. So the, the idea around that is like the rise of uh, the third platform. Um, so it's a computational thing. So uh, the first platform was, you know, um, was one-to-one. Uh, -one. So one, one machine to one person, right? You have this giant mainframe computers that you integrate with on a one-to-one -one capability. Then became um, the second uh, platform, which is uh, networked uh, computers interconnecting humans, right? Allowing for very personalized but mass uh, communications and like, a, and, like a, and like a different framework for, uh, for society. But now we're seeing the third platform, which is machine to machine. For the first time, the machines are. It's like if your Google algorithm, uh, if you search for restaurants, doesn't show you a restaurant, that's most likely you're never going to know that restaurant exists, right? Uh, if, it, if it if it routes you a certain way through the city, we're not going to see other parts of the city, right? Uh, algorithms are determining uh, some of our futures uh, so, and, and our reality that's constructing our realities already. When it gets deeper and deeper, machines are going to be making more personalized uh, decisions for people, taking away uh, more and more of our, more agency as they become more reliant. Uh, so it also comes down to you know, who owns that machine. Uh, so one of the interesting things I think about is about the convergence of AI into augmentations, where AIs uh, and intelligence works for humans, right? So being a next platform of smartphones might not be actual devices, but in intelligences you buy, right? Just like you used to buy, you, you buy, uh, buy or download applications. Imagine downloading like, you know, different applications that works on top of your data, right? Um, so an AI marketplace that you can, uh, you can purchase that uh, uses the da data the market that, that you have available that you own, and then, uh, and then it goes out and makes decisions on your behalf, depending on what you have told it to operate on. 
right? So it listens to your conversations. And if you and your friend talk about skiing, automatically makes like a plan based off of your both your calendars and the best particular date and sends you an invite for you to accept with the itinerary and everything already built out for you, right? Like these kind of things are capable of doing autonomous, um, uh, autonomous um, kind of um, decision makings for us without any kind of human input. Yeah, I mean, I think the one of the area which is, you know, that's what 5G is supposed to bring into the world and beyond. Because if you look at it, it's with the IoT, with all the connection, then you are streaming, you have so much data uh, where it is going to reside in the cloud and all that. So even I mean, if you look at other extreme, if you look at it as a smartphone or what you have as close to you, it may be just a you know, display or some kind of inter interface thing, but it doesn't have any intelligence. It is all done at the edge or at the server level, and you are fed those information to you. So that means it, it, it can simplify what you get in your hand or what you are interacting with. And then everything else is you know, in the gigantic cloud and from edge to the end you know, network. And that way it became you know, uh, all of your data is somewhere and which we are, we are okay with that, but with the security and safety, which we were talking about. But on the other hand, you have a very cheap or very you know, high-end technology, which is more closer for human to interact with rather than having the capability to process that much at your hand uh, versus you know, remotely. Yeah, I mean, uh, Travis, I'd love to hear from you, man, um, especially in the education space, right? You know, uh, smartphones and smart devices are being utilized in it already to deliver education. Is there any iterations or any thinking that's uh, coming out of this? Uh, there's so many places I can kind of share thoughts on, but I'm not sure how much value I can add uh, to the conversation. I, I mean, uh, where do you where do you want to where do you want to take it? So, because we have the uh, overall uh, uh, question around smartphones and the, the future of where that's going to go. There's the data conversation, uh, I guess, then there's the ed tech component. You let me know and I can share my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's, let's focus on the topic at hand today, right? So replacing smartphones. I just uh, threw out the, the ed tech angle. You can take it along that if you, you, know, if you like, but uh, what are your thoughts about replacements of, of these devices or uh, new platforms that might emerge? And Travis, yeah, I think they, I, I, Travis, I think we can both daydream how the kids were taken care of. We'll be like, what is a smartphone in five years? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, exactly. I think, I think, um, I think it is uh, the most interesting part of it is probably going to be, uh, you know, watching Neuralink, uh, and it's like the ultimate leapfrog situation uh, when you think about how advanced that. It, you know that um, that thing could be potentially if, if the breakthroughs um, unfold in the coming years for Neuralink as an interface for um, that would ultimately or potentially replace uh, the smartphone. So that's an interesting one. I, I do think um, what fascinates me with um, the thing that would most likely replace the smartphone is the thing that I think you guys kind of already touched on, which is like the user interface. And you know, I, I you know I don't know how much I can add here, but I do I do think that um, you know uh, like 
the, I, I highly doubt that the, um, the user interface that connects to the brain um, will get to reach a point where like the, you know, our index finger becomes futile, um, you know, for interfacing with computers. I, I just, I think that there's going to be certain cases potentially that make more sense uh, directly um, communicating uh, through your brain and then, um, you know, certain things that will be uh, much easier to do, um, you know, through a smartphone or a desktop. Um, but I do think the large, you know, like Neuralink has the large, like the potential of maybe taking the lion's share of um, all our computing use cases, um, you know, that once lived in the smartphone. A lot like uh, today, like you still have desktops. Like I just don't think desktops are going to go. It's just it's losing a lot of market share in terms of use cases. But there are certain things that you just can't do on a smartphone, um, you know, like make a movie or production, you know, industrial grade things like building things, making things. Uh, coding often is better done on a desktop because of the form factor around the keyboard. And so what it's not so much the computing power, I think, but more so the form factor. Um, so the, the, I think largely what's going to determine what we use is going to be largely determined by that form factor. So I, I don't know, uh, you know, as my guess is as good as anyone else as to how all this is going to play out. But um, that's one aspect. Another aspect is I do think we're going to become like a divergent species. Like we're all homo sapiens right now. And some of us might be further integrated with computers and then others, um, you know, our children. Satish, um, you know, um, might actually um, be a derivative species of cyborg, right? <laughs> like whether we like it or not, and um, and I think that there's going to be a huge cultural like um, divergence between these various like choices that people make in terms of their relationship with tech, which is scary to think about and talk about, of course. Um, but I do think that's going to happen, and I do think some of us might just live purely in the virtual world in the vast majority of our time and others might live in uh, the one in front of us. So it's just a crazy, the possibilities are just crazy. Imagine but, like LPs, flip phones came back in our kids' generations. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Like I do think there will be like a counter revolution um, in the physical world and stuff like that. But yeah, like this is kind of, and all this is like a, the precursor to AI, right? Like um, which, uh, could you know make this a blip in the whole transitional like radar? So uh, it, it's just it's just crazy what the possibilities are when you look at where we're heading. Um, what's obviously much easier to like be very uh, definitive around is some of the more short-term things you guys are talking about in terms of data, in terms of privacy, in terms of even like um, the, like data. I often like to think about um, you know when any when you when you talk about any topic like. It's, 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 uh, I always like, like, there's like five levels of like understanding a topic. I find like the first one is like, not like, you know, the first one's like, you might not even know the topic or the skill or tool exists. The second one is, you know, the skill exists like using a hammer, but you don't know how to use a hammer and a nail. The third one is like, all right, you know how to use a hammer and nail, but you're like, wow, I could use this for everything. So like you, the over application of the hammer and nail for everything, you know, that saying like every problem is a nail to your hammer. Like that happens a lot. Like, and then the fourth is like, okay, you know how to use a hammer and nail, but you also know it's like misapplication. You actually know when not to use it, right? And you know, and you know, in order to get to that fifth level, which is like to actually transform 
the use of a hammer nail, maybe like contribute to the pioneering work of hammers and nails, maybe improve on it, modify it. Like you kind of have to get through level four, which is like, when does this thing suck? Like a hammer nail. I imagine the person who invented the screwdriver had to go through and say, well, this hammer nail thing is really great, but it's not useful in these other instances. So I'm gonna go back to the drawing board and see if I can come up with something new and then invented the screwdriver and screws. So like, like when, you, when I think about the data conversation, I kind of think in that way as well. Like, like we're talking about um, you know, data, but I, like, what about the limits of like data? Like, so there's you know, FSD, which Tesla's you know, investing heavily in obviously, and has the advantage in terms of data. Um, at some point, those cars are gonna be so good and all those edge cases are gonna catch up there's going to be diminishing return with all the data that it can accumulate. At some point, it's going to reach a point where it's, it's, it's so good that it may not necessarily need as much data as it once did prior, right? So there's like a limit to a, of diminishing return on how much data you know, uh, Tesla will need to, to reach excellent you know, full autonomous driving. And so there's that aspect. Then there's this like other type, which is like data that often is a bit, I want to say like, like there's like the one, uh, the personalization one, like there are limits to like when I'm on YouTube, um, it, it gets to a point where like it, it keeps recommending things and puts me down rabbit holes. But I also want to like just see what like I want to just organically run into information, which is why Clubhouse has been really helpful because you guys have introduced me to concepts that my AI personalized YouTube recommendations wouldn't have picked up on. Like, I, there's so many things I learned from you guys that organically, like my AI algorithm would have never introduced. And it's all on YouTube as well, but I just, it wasn't recommending it because it was like, what's the most likely thing that will make Travis, you know, the equivalent of a drug addict for content, right? And it's like, he's already interested in this. So let me introduce him to some more stuff related to that, right? Um, and it's, and that's like, so there's, those are limits because eventually you end up recognizing that something's wrong with this like YouTube algorithm and you're looking for a different source of curation, which is, and so there's the, there's a limit right there in the recommender model that YouTube uses. Then there's like the, the, the least interesting one, which is, um, the use of AI or data, I should say, to try to make a decision. Um, often data is like the, like the shadow of like the real object. And sometimes the shadow can cast like a really tall view of the object and give you sort of distorted view that the object is a lot taller than it appears. And sometimes the shadow can give you a shorter view of the object. And so it's really like, there's a really great guy, the alchemist, I think he talked about this, um, this idea that data is being used to sort of like an oracle to tell you where to go. It's very hard for data to do that. And so that's the one that even Tesla is really good at not avoiding that situation, but that's the one that I see it used a lot. And I think um, advertising is a great example where um, it's over over clubbed, but I think, and I think that'll eventually, hopefully like get, like, you know, go down. But I, I, again, the, you know, so those are my, that's my, that's my two cents. Uh, Travis, it's interesting you say, you say that stuff. I, I really wish you had been you had been on a like last week when I was uh, talking about some of our educational system stuff. Just because, as if you look at what we've gone through in the past, in like the last year, just because, as and I, I know you'll appreciate this uh, especially because uh, you, with knowledge hook and everything. Like if you look at just like the last one year in in like just Ontario's education system, like teachers have had to like 
like honestly like fly leaps and bounds just because like uh, they had to get on like they had to learn online on, on like online lesson modules like uh sm- like like all, all sorts of things that like that would have taken them years to learn they it took we- it took them weeks or days to learn and so like they had to like in- innovate or improvise their their teaching module so uh so yeah and uh like a couple of couple of people i talked to a whole, like a few few of my friends who are teachers i i ask them all the time like uh, like like how do you guys deal with smartphones these days just because like like if when you know I'm dating myself here, but like when I was back in school, like, uh, like we used to play snake on our phones all the time, like the Nokia phones. And, uh, like, uh, our teachers would, would take our phones away. I'm like, so I used to ask like teachers now, like, yo, okay, how do you deal with this stuff? Uh, these, they were like, uh, look, they, at like, if this was five, six years ago, they could get rid of it. What they, they would confiscate it, whatever. They'd realize now that, look, this is, this is a resource. It's not, it's not going away. So why, why not make the best of it? And so they realize, okay, it's a it's a resource. So why not integrate it into the into the lesson plans? Why not integrate technology into lesson plans? And then even I was talking, even I was uh, I was interviewing uh, one of my marketing uh, marketing interns uh, yesterday. who was going to join me uh, for uh, for the summertime. Um, he's di- uh, he's doing his diploma at, uh, like post grad Sheridan, and he's and he said like uh, right now what they're going through what they're going through is like uh, even they've adopted technology right now that like. Like even like going through uh, quizzes, exams, or whatever. Like even if you're looking away from the screen or like looking somewhere else, it'll track. It'll track you. It'll track you. And then if if it thinks you're like cheating or trying to do something, you'll have to like uh, file file a an exception report or uh, uh, send a video of like send a video like you weren't doing anything wrong or or like cheating or anything. But uh, but yeah, but no. What uh, what actually what you were saying is like uh, at least uh, see on the education side. Uh, especially he like as, i mean as far as like our topic goes like as far as uh, on the smartphone topic i think uh, what we're going to be seeing is like the ne- the next the, like cell phones i don't think will go will like go away smartphone cell phones like they won't go away just like television didn't go away but you'll see so many innovations or and so and just keeping on the big data side just like so many uh uh like limit and like certain limit limitations to how much how much data you have access to like say if you're like say if you're using this thing for your like your school or your exams or if you're in a school there i mean they probably do it already right now but like uh there's going to be in, increased like uh like firewalls or like uh walls that they'll put up that's saying like okay you can't access these sites like they and they're gonna they'll probably go hard but certain sites you can't have access to like if you're maybe if you're in a room they'll have the and uh, with smart board technology nowadays they'll probably say like okay uh give give me all your iclouds your emails whatever okay you don't have access to any of these any of these apps these are the apps you have access to so oh, uh, so so stuff so stuff like that so definitely, definitely Rich. Yeah, like you're you, definitely like there's going to be there's going to be more and more regu- regulatory and administrative uh, things that districts are going to use and i think that's a good thing I definitely think, yeah i agree with you on that Hey, you know what? Can I, 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 I was, I'm always trying to find like, like you guys are covering so many things. Like I, I come with like, Hey, maybe I can add this. And then like, Oh, someone already talked about that. So, which is always a good thing. So I'm trying to find like an angle that maybe uh, I can like add value to this conversation. Cause you guys have touched Neuralink, you touched on everything. I feel like I'm just, uh, you know, reiterating things you said. So here's a potential angle. So what about, okay, go back in time, go back in time before smartphones, before desktops, right? There was a point where like computers in and of itself was not a thing we could afford. Like it was like, if you like the, who, who used computers, 
it was like, like companies, right? And companies would buy these massive like computing machines, right? To do these massive computations. And the average person never had access to a computer for those same computations, right? And then eventually, like, okay, fine. Gates and Jobs said, let's let's democratize this tool that only corporations are harnessing the power and let's get it in the hands of everyone, right? That was like, and then that, uh, you know, part two of that story was uh, the smartphone revolution, right? But like, if you use that as a, as a proxy, another angle you could take this conversation is, well, what else is out there that hasn't gotten into our hands, right? And this is kind of an interesting area because that, and I have a feeling computing will play a role in that. So a great example would be, uh, you know, you know, I've had met folks uh, who, you know, um, let's say they, they were running fairly large companies and, you know, just in those meetings, I would see they, okay, so they had drivers, they had bodyguards, uh, they had uh, high-end security, they had all these other things that, you know, and, and administrative assistance, every, like everyday folks wouldn't have access to. I imagine that uh, as we kind of like uh, uh, in the years to come, we're all going to have access to some version of that where autonomy and robotics and technology and AI and all these things are going to bring the cost down where those benefits will be in the hands of most individuals. So alongside like this now computer or smartphone, I imagine we might have a drone that could be our personal bodyguard, um, you know, watching us walking over and, 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 you know, protecting us in some different ways in our house perimeters. I imagine the cost of these things will drop down drastically. Uh, and, and Ravi kind of mentioned this idea of like an assistant booking appointments for us and making the phone calls. I know that's kind of a use case that's already coming uh, in our hands. So imagine like the, the smartphone uh, maybe around for a while before something as crazy as like Neuralink may start to like carve out use cases. But I imagine what makes what might make the smartphone even less impressive in the coming decade would be that alongside the smartphone, all of a sudden we have access to these other things that we never had access to. Uh, just like how computing was only in the hands of like like large corporations once. Travis, I think uh, that's an interesting point. Idea like uh, you know it might um, it might uh, the, the 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 potential new devices and new stuff might actually go to like uh, the one percenters or uh, the Uber rich or the corporates, right? Who are end up using it internally. That, that's a pretty interesting aspect as well. I think, yeah, no, I think just just to add to that, I mean, that that's always been the case with with technology, right? I mean, for those of us who are old enough to remember when the first Motorola cell phone came out, it was, you know, largely dictators and and real estate agents who who who, who could afford such a thing, right? Um, and now, right, and 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 now it's ubiquitous, and I think one of the challenges that we I, I think we often face is that we just simply don't acknowledge that you know a lot of this innovation is already here right so you know uh, a, autonomous things are already here it's just not ubiquitously deployed I and mean, it's it's you know the, the the constant challenge of of innovation and 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 then driving innovation to scale where it's impacting you know everyone's lives so I think to a degree, there's there's a spectrum of experience and a, and a spectrum of expectation that we have to manage, 
um, and you know, to, to kind of the 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 topic of the day, you know, what's going to replace smartphones? And I think a couple a couple of folks have mentioned it. You know, I don't think the smartphone is going to go away anytime soon. Um, I think screen is is one issue. Uh, having an all day battery that actually fits inside your ear um, is is another you know challenge. So there's a lot of you know battery innovation that night that needs to happen. But the idea that you know you know we are going down this path of of you know everything being autonomous, everything being automated, and I think one of the challenges that still exists before even you know that can happen at scale is is what is the efficacy of all of that, right? And so there's a lot of work that's happening in Europe around well, just how do you prove the efficacy of AI and machine learning, right? Because a lot of this, a lot of this future that that you know is predicated upon, you know, things becoming autonomous, is that you actually have the ability to hold folks accountable when things go wrong, right? And you know, it's not so much just the applications or the services that are you know, performing functions or actions on individuals or enterprises behalf, but, you know, how did they learn uh, to do the things that they need to do? What is the efficacy in the data sets? Uh, because if you can't prove the quality of your data, or the completeness of your data, then, you know, any outcome that a autonomous agent might deliver, you know, in my mind is, is suspect, right? Uh, and today we see a lot of this innovation kind of, you know, it's being adopted by, by, by enterprises, by corporations, right? RPA has been around for a very, very long time. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's, it's, it's, it's a closed ecosystem, right? And so when we start opening that uh, to, you know, the masses and, you know, public consumption where it's ubiquitous and you don't really have to, you know, it doesn't cost you an arm and a leg to get access to these kinds of capabilities. Uh, you do need a, a a a notion of 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 efficacy around around all of this. So, I think there's a there's a there's a journey that I think we're on. Uh, but I, I don't I don't think that cell phones will disappear or smartphones will disappear. Certainly, in the next ten years. I'll pause there. Have you guys talked about the voice assistants by any chance? We have it because I'm just curious. Like with this uh, setup, Clubhouse, we're apparently supposed to say our name first and end with our name, right? Like when we do these, uh, when we sign in, sign out, right? When we pass yeah, I mean, the conch or whatever. Some, yeah, some etiquette came up out of that, but yeah, so I'm, let's follow it. I think there was a we had a discussion earlier, uh, yesterday or something. It's basically doesn't it sound like we're actually recording for some voice assistant? For uh, maybe some AI later on, or a training system, <laughs> like, they, they, like recording, and being... we can now identify our voice anyway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That is like, <laughs> seriously, if you think about it, all our voices, everyone's been like shutting off our voice assistant, right? Whenever I buy to try out, the first, I just try it out and then shut the damn thing off, right? The microphone's off uh, because apparently it records everything, every single thing that you do, it records it. Um, and then they parse through whatever they need to do and, or they looks for the keywords and only respond to that, but it's still recording. So I'm curious, like, this is a lot of discussions that are going on. So this is like 
machine learning and hyper speed. I mean, like it's like CAPTCHA, right? Like how we had the uh, uh, Google Maps doing those uh, images where figure out the traffic lights or the fire hydrants. I was, yeah. I was just going to, I was just, I was just going to bring that up. Like the whole CAPTCHA thing is is there to train, train computer basically to to train uh, autonomous vehicles, right? And so I, I wouldn't suspect. Or, uh, you know, I, there probably is an aspect of, you know, we are training an algorithm to, um, you know, do more efficient things with voice. It's, it, it is the killer interface, in my opinion. So, yeah. Yeah. So, on that, like, I, we actually researched into this, um, you know, our company. And uh, so, with Clubhouse, Clubhouse is built on top of two protocols. Um, one is Angola, the Angola system, right, which is a, a huge company, but most of it is just uh, Clubhouse is basically is a wrapper, an interface wrapper that built it's built on top of existing services. Um, so the idea was, it's like a Korean research firm who like broke this down, the, the code base, and they're like, the idea is, why is this worth a billion dollars? Is it just a flow through just for a, a you know data capture for another system that which is Angola protocol? Which uh, where everything is transcribed and it's built for voice and bots uh, to operate on. That billion dollar valuation is highly understated, Robbie. It's uh, it's it's uh, a couple of multiples higher than that. Well, there's yeah, there's, uh, especially with the monetization recently, right? Yeah, I mean that's um, depend. I mean, think about it. I mean, we're still in beta mode. And um, you're still uh, limited to who you can invite. So it's not publicly open for anybody to join. You need to know somebody to, to be invited uh, or somebody in the, in the app to be invited to. Now, with the addition of monetization plus, um, you know, the increase in membership. Android's coming up. Yeah, and, and, and the fact that it's only on iPhone platform I mean, the growth potential of Clubhouse, you know, who knows? Well, there's a story out today that it's, it's now 4 billion valuation. Haven't read the pieces yet, but um, so they've already, they're already pushing the number up. Yeah, I, I still think 4 billion is conservative, but. Oh, gosh. Uh, oh, man. You know, I mean, you, your, entire, wow. your entire platform is missing on the, on the Android side. So. Yeah. We'll see. Cool, guys. Uh, I, I know we're near the end of our mark here, but I want to ask a question just based off this last line of topic we're talking about with Clubhouse. What if it's not uh, like um, actually recording and they're saying they're actually deleting all the, like they're not actually uh, keeping things recorded. Isn't that kind of a shame? Like what if Clubhouse like actually recorded all your voices, but kept it and uh, kept it securely and in your profile, you know, eventually down the line, it opened up the capability to see all the things you've said, but like also break it. Like a medium, yeah, but a voice, right? Is this all the things you've said and who you talk to, and then um, it's there, almost almost like a like a historical record of your ideas. They should give me the option option to opt in, right? So, like this this reminds me of the time where I I found out Google Maps had my entire history of of everything, and it shocked me that they they tracked everywhere I was at for I don't know how many years that I just didn't turn this this option off. If, if I want myself recorded, I should be able to opt into it and not have to opt out. Or if I'm supposed to opt out, it should be very obvious for me to do that. 
I see. I think so, there's utility in it, though. So you know, to fund in uh, tomorrow, they may you know shut down our channel because they process the data overnight and find out these guys are into something. You know? <laughs> yeah, Tamils, Tamils. There are like too many Tamils congregating. <laughs> But isn't this being recorded though? I see a red dot. This is this is our You didn't make that disclosure? Oh geez. I think every I think every room is just a line of data that they can retrieve if they want to, right? I mean uh your phone, even when it's charging, um, assuming that it's powered on, is recording you. I mean, if you were to talk about I don't know, um you know, taking a vacation in Mexico to your friend and your phone is somewhere on your desk. You know, the next day you might have ads popping up in Google about Mexican hotel, hotels in Mexico. I mean, that, that happens. But the funny so, thing is, like, if you think about who's the, the rooms that are out here, there are competitors having rooms in here, right? There are, like, groups that are, like, the same company meeting together in these rooms. And I'm, like, thinking, what are you doing? Because technically, if they're listening in, who knows who buys up uh, this company too, right? I think that's possible. I mean, depending on now, uh, depending on, uh, I mean, Facebook bought up Instagram and WhatsApp early and they got it at a really cheap deal. So it's possible. I mean, let's see. Let's see. I mean, I think post-pandemic, I think there'll be less people on Clubhouse at any given time, but um, you know, the version, the beta version and the Android platform is, is still in the early stages. So. Have you guys tried any of the other ones? Like the Twitter has one. Uh... Well, Twitter yeah. space is amazing, by the way. Yeah, I, I've tried. Sorry, Jeff, just to, I don't want to take up too much time. No, no worries, I, go ahead. I've, I've, uh, I, I don't have access to Twitter spaces, but I, I opted into the beta version and I'm in, like some people I follow do use it. It's, it's awesome um the difference is that the people that follow you are the ones that can join your room or your space is what they call it so random people that don't follow you can't join your discussion um and which is is good and bad uh, you know your discussions will be more concentrated and probably more substantive um, but you'll, you're, the number of people in your space will be lower depending on how many, depending on how many you follow or who follows you, but it's pretty good. Yeah. So I've, I've been in three now, uh, uh, Twitter spaces rooms. And the way I would look at that is I think Twitter spaces is a stadium. You go to a football match on Sunday and clubhouse is a bar you go into and you bump into people. There's That's a really no, yeah, there's no way. Twitter, I mean, I think Twitter spaces will be amazing for the Super Bowl or the World Series or presidential debate where you have to, somebody has to communicate out to a large audience, but man, there's no way you're going to stumble into an act, you know, into a decent Twitter spaces space. No one hangs on, on Twitter like that. So I'm different, same application, same concept, two completely different applications. I think there's space for both. The difference with spaces that uh, with Twitter spaces that you can like a lot of times, I don't know if you guys do it when I'm when I'm on Clubhouse, I'll minimize the app and I'll just like browse Twitter and just see what you know, what's going on um, with Twitter spaces. You can kind of bring up tweets and talk about certain issues or, you know, 
make your make your topic of conversation more subject to what's a public figure said or what a, a an official said or economic official or a politician whatever the case may be whatever the topic may be but um you know it, it, the limitation is that people who follow you can join you people who don't follow you can't that's that's the major difference between the two well, I think it's yeah. also like uh, who who else? Uh, I mean, in uh, I mean, you still get the guys on fa the Facebooks and the Twitters and whatnot who will express any opinion that the and, and like all their opinions, no matter what, uh, good, bad, or whatever. So I think it's it also comes back down to like the root thing of like uh, where like uh, do you do you care that you're being monitored? Do you care what people are seeing? And and like, uh, do you just want? your freedom to express yourself and uh, and if that and if that answer is yes then uh, then I, then then all these platforms okay good go uh go for them but i think in the end like just getting back on the big data thing and just like getting back on our like just uh, keeping within the topic about smartphones it's re really i think what it'll come down to is just uh, like okay do, how how much do we care that all our data is interconnected and and uh, do we i mean and also like just uh, do we care to have to have this voice to have these mediums and uh, and and have these uh, and have and have all these outlets because uh, one thing and we are so interconnected and all these all these i uh, like all these innovations and everything has uh, made us in, uh, interconnected but it's also allowed us to be more open more vocal more uh, and and also more inclusive at the same time and so uh, so, so they're good. There are positives and negatives of all that. It's just that: uh, do we care how much data is out there at the end of the day? Great, guys. I think uh, that's a that's a good that's a good thought to close on. Is that question? Uh, do we care about that? Thank you. I think we all <laughs> should be asking. I think we all should be asking that question of ourselves and from each other. Um, cool, guys. I love the direction this conversation took uh, because it just didn't just go into um, you know what device is going to come next, but also ideas that need to be in place uh, for us to get in those ideas, uh, to get to get those next devices, which is data, privacy, the types of protocols and information layers that uh, that allow for um, the, the, you know a new types of communications, new types of devices to come into our into our life. Um, should be built first on and then uh, and those systems improved upon. Um, Satish, any any closing remarks? No man, uh, I was taking a lot of notes, and I always love how like. Nine out of ten times we end up with data and privacy somehow. <laughs> so, from from the movie night to what will replace smartphones, our our collective thoughts always end up around data and security and privacy, which is dope. So I appreciate everybody's feedback today. Absolutely, Myra, do you want to close us off? Yeah, sure. It was really interesting hearing what you guys thought of the future of smartphones and the replacement of them. And also kind of concluding on the future of Clubhouse. That was great. Um, it was important to bring up data privacy and behavioral changes and how everyone sort of reacts to it. Um, I think the more tech grows, the more risk associated with it. And it's very crucial to acknowledge that. And, you know, just imagine yourself in the future. Like, how do you think you would react to new absurd devices being marketed to you? Would you be the first one to kind of jump on or would you be more skeptical? Like things that could be completely wild now can be a part of um, normal life in the future. Like we're all living the technological dreams of our ancestors. And we are where we are today because of all the contributions made 
towards tech. Um, and yeah, there are a lot of very talented and intellectual individuals in this room. I love the diversity, being able to hear from multiple viewpoints. I mean, this is great. And yeah, this has been another part, a great session of The Den. A welcome to all the new folks. We do this every Monday to Saturday, 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. If you like what you heard today, follow The Disruptors Den. Um, and also, if you know someone that would love to participate, bring a friend. We love meeting you people in The Den. And yeah, I hope you guys have a great rest of your night, and we'll see you tomorrow. Good night, guys. Good night. See you guys. Good night, Cubby. All right, good night, guys. Take care. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Teach us that theme song. <laughs> it was just what I was messing around with today, man. I figured I'll do a little outro. <laughs> I hit you up soon, homie. Hey, question. So, where do you post these recordings? Oh, sorry. They're they're for Ravi's private data, where he analyzes every word, every sentence. <laughs> what up, Santosh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're we're actually trying to publish um, audio newsletters. People can sign up. Uh, so okay. regulars who are interested can sign up, and then mm-hmm. we will uh, you get to like uh, uh, you'll get the link uh, where you can listen in. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. We'll be releasing soon. Thanks, Santosh. Okay. Yeah.